0: Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. It's Sam Bruce, joined by the very busy Christy Doran. He's been travelling the lengths and breadths of Australia, delivering some uh, fantastic one-on-one interviews with the coaches. Uh, Christy, I heard there was one more last night.
1: Yes, yeah, Simon Cron from his hotel room, um, up close and personal. Uh, it was good fun, but great to join you, Brucey, in a, a lovely colour polo that you're wearing right now.
0: There's a little bit of a story to this one. Um, I don't know how you go with uh, purchasing Christmas presents for your brothers and or sisters. I think it's just brothers and one of each is it for you. Um, but anyway, uh, doing a bit of uh, November uh, Black Friday shopping and um, you buy things online with the hope that you'll get the sizes right, but you don't always nail it 100%. Now, I got this one actually for my older brother and he's actually lost a bit of um, bulk through the chest. He'll be listening to this on his drive to school probably next week, so He'll appreciate the shout out, but um yeah, he, I had to uh, call an audible and give him a, a medium and give this large to me because I got the, uh got the sizes wrong. It's, um, you know, got to gotta fit, gotta fit my bulk up top. So humble brag there to start the season. Um I, I It's a good little segue, I guess is I wouldn't call it a humble brag about Australian rugby at the moment, but there's certainly been a, a warm fuzzy feeling since the, the Eddie announcement, hasn't there? These, um, he and Hamish McLennan have just about been everywhere breakfast radio uh, 6pm news uh, weekend ABC grandstand just about every sports show in the country Um, That glow is still um, happening now this afterglow of that announcement but um, it really all starts and gets serious in a week's time doesn't it
1: yeah absolutely right and it's about this time of year, generally speaking, people are thinking, well, cricket's going on still. There's generally a one-day series, which is a, a pointless exercise of a five one days and a, an additional three T20s. And but but for once rugby is actually being spoken about, spoken about in a positive light. And being spoken about with a a sense of anticipation that no, not the super rugby season is is starting in February and people shaking their heads going, what is going on? It's still 30 degrees outside. Why are we even considering uh, a rugby code starting? But there is a warm, fuzzy feeling. The warm, fuzzy feeling has to be sustained for it to be something of a, a coup for Australian rugby, but it is an exciting time, a world cup year I love the fact that players and coaches, but particularly players seem to be on edge. It's the, it's the word everyone has been using, haven't they? And we, we were together down at the Super Rugby launch uh, at the Opera House earlier this week. It was a Wednesday, sparkling weather. Um, a couple of sides had had their Super Rugby launches. The Rebels were going to have it the day after. But it's in the headlines. And, and that's an exciting thing. And hopefully hopefully on February 24 at the Sydney football stadium where you didn't turn up to one of the uh, super rugby launches for the Waratahs hopefully that is a a, a really strong turnout and people and I've been asking people what, what, what kind of crowd do you think we're going to get and I think the conservative person says oh 20,000 would be good the ambitious person, someone like a Hamish McLennan or an Eddie Jones or a Stephen Markham, we're talking 30,000 and and more. And that would be a statement because generally speaking, people have just stumbled into the season, 8,000, uh, you know, 10,000 people. It's not good enough and it's not a great showing. If 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 Super Rugby can launch with a bang in Australia by getting 30,000, that would be a great statement
0: Yeah, and fair play to, I think, Super Rugby uh, and Rugby Australia. There's actually been a bit of marketing around in uh, my piece for ESPN today. I've said that the infamous um, marketing pigeon from Rugby Australia, Batuta Advocate fan, hasn't really had cause to ridicule his RA overlords, has he? Because I think the game has been out there. Um, The launch was good, as you mentioned. Uh, Bernie Larkham dropping the 30,000 number there in uh, in his interview. And, And what a great way to start the year. Uh, this Waratahs Brumbies rivalry. I think two teams that we think will probably be the leading Australian franchises, which we'll come to in a little while. Um, just about at full strength, say for a, a couple of uh, a handful of exceptions. Um, new Stadium, Alliance Stadium. You were there on on Tuesday night. Uh, in my defence, I just got back from five days in uh, Perth for UFC, so I might have been heading for divorce court if I'd missed another one uh, instead of uh, Valentine's Day dinner um but uh yeah it's this is a real buoyancy around the game um and now it's up to the players to continue it and and really hit the ground running um as you say thirty thousand or even 25 in that alliance i think would be a really good result first up um for the waratahs and brumbies and the reds uh taking their game to uh to townsville so um against the uh the hurricane so a couple of really quality games you would think to to start the season um let's get into uh let's go through the teams we're going to look at the new zealanders as well and we'll start in alphabetical order um the blues uh Jeez, you've course. always
1: been a person by structure and law haven't you
0: i don't know what that is yeah i i, I like i like order uh christy <laughs> i wouldn't say um uh the wife does think i uh i border on um what's the uh the term um uh anyway the one you know what i mean very yes things in places and uh, the way I chop my vegetables might have something to do with that. Um, but we're getting slightly off topic here. Um, the Blues, are pretty much uh, the standard setters last year, weren't they, for the majority of the competition. Um, I think they only dropped one game during the season. Look really sharp. Um, obviously, a, a huge array of attacking weapons in the back line, uh, virtually brought on a, a test-quality front row off the bench, such was their depth up front. That drops away slightly this year with no Carl tuanuku there, they get Patrick tui Peludu back at lock, which offsets a couple of um, departures. I think Luke Romano and Josh uh, Josh Goodhue, you? yes, you're not Jack, mm-hmm. at the Crusaders. They look pretty strong on paper again, don't they? Um, but I just don't know whether they're going to be uh, quite where they were last year. They just couldn't finish the job last year. Probably should have lost to the Brumbies in that semi, as you and I discussed at the time, and then were well beaten by the Crusaders in the final.
1: Yeah, if we go back to what two thousand, when I think the Crusaders beat the Brumbies, and the Brumbies <clears throat> were probably the red hot side. I think they'd smashed the Crusaders, and I'll say smashed. They they probably didn't smash them, but they beat them comfortably. And and not long later, they lose to them in the, in a final, and that set the marker for the Brumbies the next year. They said, no, we're going to go back and we're going to win this and we're going to do things slightly differently. I think the Blues is a, a probably my favourites this year. I think they've just got so much strike power from the back line to strength up front, a really skillful um, bollocking back row and they're really well coached by Liam McDonald who we can't forget replaced Tanurumunga and in an unusual coaching yeah. change, where an assistant becomes the uh, the head coach, I, he's got real big wraps on him. Does does McDonald? And I I I like them. Like play, they play a really great style of rugby. They're explosive. The thing that I really like about them, though, is that they probably more than any side can beat you in ten minutes. They can put three tries on really really quickly. The strike power, the X factor. Bowden Barrett, a couple of those guys, their last season's um, World Cup year, people like Roger Sheikh, who have got to uh, aim up and they've got to be very, very good to force their way into All Black consideration for a World Cup. I'm excited by what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, Leon McDonald, I think, was um, was part of uh, Scott Robertson's um, All Blacks panel when he lost out to, to Ian Foster. So, um, you know, there might be some movement on that front, as we've already heard in, in recent weeks. Um I guess if we throw a blanket across all the New Zealand teams, they are going to be dealing with this resting policy or this workload management policy. Uh, they can't play five games consecutively. So that's probably going to be, you know, for most players, I'll miss two games during the season, some potentially three. Uh, the Blues have got a lot, haven't they? Um, if you look across their their squad, I think I, in uh, looking this week, it was probably going to be a minimum 10 and that was leaving out potentially a couple of fringe All Blacks who you're not quite sure how they would come into consideration. But um, that's going to be a, you know, a really key part of, of McDonald's um, coaching management this year, isn't
1: it? It is, but it, it's going to be a key part of all the, the coaches' management. You look at even across this side of the ditch in the Waratahs, the Reds, the Brumbies, a lot of those guys are going to be missing game time. You think of the Michael Hoopers, the Alan Towers. Australia doesn't simply have the depth that some of the, the big New Zealand sides have at their disposal. So I would think that would affect Australians more than the others, but what I find and think will be fascinating by it will be how they tactically plan for resting players and what matches they target and and are they away matches? Is it just taking one out here and one out there or do they do a a bulk number like the Waratahs did? And I think in twenty. Maybe 2018 or 19. They, yeah. And, and they got beaten by the Sunwolves and it was a bit of a disaster. they will left with egg on their face. So that will all be fascinating. My, my understanding with the Waratahs, for instance, is they want to get out of the box quickly and they want to play one of their better sides for a number of weeks consecutively early on. And then they might start tweaking here or there. But injury and you look at the Queensland Reds, and I know I'm jumping ahead at the moment. We'll talk about them more, but they're they're in a bit of an injury crisis in their second right. row at the moment. So that will impact on how sides um, you know, rotate and have players come in and out. So yeah, that'll be interesting. There's obviously a lot of lot of quality in the Blues and Crusaders, particularly. So yeah, that'll be that'll be fascinating. But I don't think it'll be a huge issue for them. There, there's just so much strike power.
0: To Canberra we go. Uh, the Brumbies next up in, in alphabetical order. Um, let's uh, a, a couple of, uh, well, three big, I guess, departures there in Falafi, uh, uh, E-Ray, Simone, and of course, Tom Banks at the back. Uh, we get the new coach, Stephen Larkin, returning for his second coach as um, second stint head coach, rather, obviously still got... Laurie Fisher and Rob Sieb there, uh, you know, two fantastic assistants who will provide, I guess, that stability. And and that's the thing that you – probably the best word to sum up the Brumbies really, isn't it, when you think about Mm. how they play the game, how they approach the game, the continued success that they've had in the competition, obviously not always winning it, but being, you know, uh, usually Australia's – or predominantly Australia's dominant team. Um, Some players last year who really came on, as we know, uh, Nick Frost – Finished last year basically as a, as a Wallaby starting lock. Uh, Tom Hooper, you and I think, is probably set for big things this year uh, in that kind of hybrid second row, number six role. Um, you know, there's a couple of uh, young uh, wingers who come through the sevens program, Ben O'Donnell and, and Corey Toole. Um, I know a big favorite of Stevie Lenthal down there in, in Canberra. Um, How do you see the Brumbies? Is it going to be business as usual? Uh, Will Bernie try and change things up here? Or is the blueprint that solid already that it's basically come in and and just continue as you were, boys?
1: I'm going to add a fourth big uh, big player departure, and that's Scott CEO. I I think the front row depth that the Brumbies have had over the last few years has really been their strength. They've been able to rotate guys like James Slipper and CEO together 40 minutes apiece or 51 work and 30 the next. CEO came on leaps and bounds the last two years where he went through a bit of a stage where he plateaued, I think, and then managed to find that spark after being left out of a couple of wallaby squads. He, his departure will be uh, crucial and potentially detrimental to the wider squad and the balance. But I think Giro Simone, I, I wasn't ever convinced that he was a test player, but He was a bigger body at 12, a really good foil for someone like Noel Olesio, and um, I think he'll be a bigger loss than Tom Banks. I think Tom Banks has obviously got star power. He's got huge pace acceleration. But to me, he was a guy that was put through a half hole and burnt players. I don't think he necessarily created triers. and, And I'm curious to see Tom Wright. Most likely get that opportunity. He's a guy who I think is really talented. Uh, whether or not he's a starting international fullback in a World Cup semi final or final, that's another matter altogether. But he's someone who's got ball playing capability, which I quite like. Um, you know, Nick White having him at nine and Ryan Lonigan at nine, um, really quality players, particularly White. Good back row. Their second row depth is outstanding. Um, when you think about guys like Neville Frost, Darcy Swain, Tom Hooper, they've got a huge amount of depth in that back five of the scrum. That's going to be their strength. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how Stephen Larkins' evolution continues. I think he's definitely a changed person since coming back. I think those two or three years away from the Australian. In the Wallaby side, particularly, but Australian rugby at large, opportunity to work with the 20s and the 7s in 2019. I think that's been hugely, hugely important for him to see the wider, bigger picture, and that's something he explained to me when I spoke to him on a podcast for the Raw recently. And uh, he 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 surprised me with his I think maturity as a person and as a coach. So yeah, watch this space in the Brumbies.
0: Chiefs, uh, clearly the big one here is Damian McKenzie's return, uh, just adds that wonderful bit of spark and X Factor, either on the counter or, or joining the line, um, as he does with that you know, electricity about him. Um, I really like the blend of this Chiefs pack too, they've brought through some rising locks in the last couple of years to Bivai, um, a couple of other guys, um, Nadi Akoi, I think another one there. Um, their centres performed really well in the absence of Anton Leonard Brown for the majority last season, Nankerville um, and uh, the other one whose name escapes me right now. I thought he was the big fine last year and just announced to be heading to Munster. So just being picked away at that New Zealand depth. If we look further down the tree. Um, yeah. I, I think the chiefs can improve on last year. I think they're really going to be, you know, pushing to to pinch games off the crusaders and blues. Um, I like, what they're headed, they'll have Bryn Gatland, you would think, at number 10. Joshua, he was just ahead of Joshuani. last year. Um, I think they can potentially, you know, even finish above the Blues. Wow, big call!
1: Oh, look, the Chiefs have been for a long time that side where you don't always know what you're going to get from them, and that's perhaps because of guys like Damian McKenzie who give them an inch and they'll take it, won't they? I he is, I think, my favorite player in Super Rugby, Damian McKenzie. He's He's a bit, he reminds me of a bit of Ange Capuzzo from from Italy. Just the ability to sniff a gap and turn it on with great footwork. How he controls and manipulates defenses, I think will be interesting. And that's probably been the reason why he hasn't been given a long extended run at the number 10 jersey for the All Blacks. But how he comes back and stamps his authority on the Chiefs could well decide whether or not he is in an all-black 23 because there's there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of challenges who's actually going to, like what cream will rise, That that's a really fascinating one but the Chiefs are an exciting, exciting team and great back row once again, um, some good strength up front, they've got a really good front row um, the, the head coach, is it McMillan?
0: played it, McMillan, yep yeah,
1: he I, I can't fathom the 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 Warren Gatlin kind of I will not say experiment but him coming back it must have been slightly disruptive because of periods where he's their head coach he's director of rugby what does that mean with a a guy like McMillan in terms of his vision for the game Um, not a
0: problem anymore
1: not a problem anymore so he is the guy who will be masterminding the blueprint I think that'll be fascinating to see how they go
0: Yes, Samasoni Tokayaha obviously had just a brilliant season last year. He's a powerhouse ad hooker. Finished the year probably as the All Blacks number one, you would have to think. Although Cody Taylor might have finished um, starting the last game of the year and and really want to see Sam Kane get a full season in. um, You know, as much as we we love to, uh, you know, um, see uh, Wallabies defeat the All Blacks, you want to see full teams and players, the best players in the world, um, at full fitness.
1: Yeah, here, here. That's a, that's a good shout. The other one, Brady Retallick, last season with the Chiefs before going overseas. Whether or not he comes back, who, who knows? But he's another guy that's just been a powerhouse. And you think about stars. Super Rugby needs stars. He's a guy that has star power written all over. Probably alongside Etzebeth as being and Whitelock as being the three best second rowers of the last ten years. Um, it's going to be great to see him have another season and, and and the damage that he can cause is just
0: catastrophic. Crusaders, um look, I I, I didn't see the Richie Moonga news coming um when it did. I think it was Boxing Day. It was dropped. Um a three year deal in Japan. I thought it might be a, a potentially a one year sabbatical and back for a player who, you know, looked like he would go through to the next World Cup, perhaps with just that one year off. And by the next World Cup I mean twenty twenty seven. So a real shift, I guess, we we always encounter this exodus of players across all countries, well, largely from this part of the world who go north or to Japan. Um, they're going to be hugely motivated to do it for Richie, aren't they? Sam Whitlock, another one, of course, Scott Robertson, whether he um, winds up as All Blacks coach or not, this will be his final year in Canterbury. Um, it's a list that is just, you know, as... As uh, ominous as ever, um, players with class in the, and uh, both up front and out the back, really only George Bridge on the wing had kind of dropped down the pecking order a little bit there. Bryn Hall is probably a bigger loss at number nine. He used to flip with Mitchell Drummond, didn't he, in that kind of weekly swapping of the halfback role, the starting role. They get Willie Hines back, the veteran. Um, and, of course, he wound up playing a, a couple of games for England under Eddie Jones. Um, but, well, I mean, it's... It's hard not just to say right now they're going to be bloody tough to beat yet again.
1: Yeah, and if I'm picking a Super Rugby final, once again, I'm thinking Crusaders and Blues. They're they're the two sides that are genuine top four contenders and you can almost just put them in the bank. They're going to be there, aren't they? Um, I'm fascinated to see how this one goes because the Crusaders have been at the top for so, so long and Robertson seems like a master... Um, master at the mental side of the game and you can't say that about too many coaches the fact that he arrived and immediately there was change at the Crusaders and he takes he decides, you know what, we need a change in the captaincy Kieran Reid, you're the current All Blacks co- uh, captain, but I'm sorry, we need Sam Whitelock as our captain, we need a bit of a shift here um, Richie Mwanga comes in and He's had a year there, but thanks, um, thanks all the same. Like Dan Carter, who's unbelievable player, but these two absolute legends in McCall and Carter couldn't get that super ugly title, and that's probably for a number of reasons. Of course, you we know, missing games and the, the heavy reliance on those two under Todd Blackadder, but they are a supremely good side, and how they challenge themselves to get better is something that I think the world will be watching on. How does a side like the Crusaders who have won, what is it? Is it six straight titles? How do they continue to to excel and challenge themselves and get better and better? That's what excellence is in a sport. So they they are the juggernauts. They're the side that everyone will be coming at. I love the fact that Robertson has that cheeky laugh. There's, you know... Could he be the master poker player? Like I think, I think the All Blacks role is his for next year. But he seemed like he's in a good, good place. He'll be wanting to go out for a bang. The player that I'm really fascinated to see about this year is is Todd Blackadder's Black son, Ethan. Because Ethan, he he had a coming out of COVID, he was the player that impressed me the, the most in terms of his development. His development came from being a super rugby trotter to being, wow, he's bulked up, he's got stronger, he's got more physical. If there's an if there's a guy that could surprise all black selection later in the year, he's he's one of them. Because he's certainly not considered a, a starting all black at the moment, but he he's a guy that I thought was supremely good over the last couple of years with one or two injuries along the way. Good player. Watch out.
0: I think I'm excited to see Will Jordan, whether now he gets a run at fullback. Uh, we know that the Geordie Barrett, you know, we're not going to call it an experiment anymore. I think Ian Foster has indicated he is looking at him as his number 12 for the mm. All Blacks this year. So, does that open up more of an opportunity to see Jordan at fullback rather than on the wing? Um, we know how, you know, just freakishly good he's been in super rugby the last few years. And the other one to point out with the Crusaders, of course, no Pablo. So that probably, as you mentioned there, Ethan Blackadder, they were kind of shuffling those guys last year. Uh, Tom Christie and Cullen Grace, the other one, um, trying to get those guys game time. There were some injuries, which offset that a little bit, but I agree. I think Ethan Blackadder is going to be the the real uh, All Blacks forward to watch this year. Uh, All right, Fiji and Drua, um, just if we talk recency last night, knocked off. The force uh, in Queensland, in Brisby, I think, uh, in a trial down at West there, um, 48-38, I think the score was, look, they and both, they and Moana Pacifica are going to be better served by a full preseason this year, aren't they? Um, certainly in the Drua's case, I think they've got five of their games locked in back in Fiji with a couple of two two TBC um you know there's there's been a couple of um, guys picked up by France and then the other week uh, Hambosi which uh, for an off-field incident which i guess shows a real strong you know culture at the club that they're not going to put up with any off-field uh, indiscretion. so he we won't see him this year um but uh you know it's going to be incredibly tough for teams to go to Lautoka or Osu or isn't it as we show as we saw with the Chiefs game there last year which was a was a wonderful atmosphere um, the Chiefs look to have had the game run one rather. And I think the, the Druah scored three tries in in about seven minutes to lose by two. So uh, we know about the conditions, how tough they are over there. Um, can they make the finals, the Druah?
1: Yes, but they would have to win the majority of their home games. They'll have to win probably 80% of them. So four out of five, if, if it's five home games that they're having up in up in Fiji. Uh, I watched them against the Western Force last night. The thing that the Fijians do so well on sevens, of course, is their offloading game and their really explosive physicality. And they, they almost build with the roar of the crowd. Last night, we saw some of that. We saw more of that last night than we saw last year. Um, and it really troubled the Western Force through the middle, particularly. So if they can manage to keep the ball at play, um, up-tempo, they could cause sides all sorts of trouble and the humidity up in Fiji and and I think it was the Highlanders also played up there last year. I might be wrong, but they 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 yes. struggled they struggled at times as well and only I think they only just hung on. Yeah. Um, that'll be it's great. It's so good to have Fiji and I think this from and I'm not I'm not going to. Uh, try to lay claim that i know all the fijian players a lot of them have come through villages and their stories are are fantastic but from an australian perspective seeing mick Byrne as head coach that i think will be interesting too because you know last year would have been an almighty task getting together a a bunch of guys that have hardly played in any form of high performance program and then you've you know here you go you've got a couple of months to sort it out
0: at lennox head
1: yeah up at lennox head and Guys like Beric Barnes and Scotty Wiseman to occasionally jumping in and, and uh lending their hands. But Mick Burns, a guy that people ooh, have always thought is a brilliant, skilled coach, one of the best there is. But the wider, bigger picture as a head coach or as a as a fully fledged assistant, whether it be attack or forwards, there's been question marks. This is a great opportunity for, for people to go, well. This is Mick Byrne, the coach, and he can actually coach. He's not just a skills coach. So I'm intrigued to see how the draw go this year. But they'll, they'll, they'll get a few wins. Don't you worry about
0: that. they victims last night, the Western Force. Um, It's been a, a bit of, a I guess, a steady recruitment over the off-season. Uh, Simon Cron, who you spoke to last night, we look forward to listening to that podcast. But I'll give uh, Brittany Mitchell's yarn on ESPN.com.au with Connie This morning, a real plug, because there's some good stuff in there around um, how he was was picked up by Steve Hansen, his work with Hansen over at Toyota, Um, what they're trying to build over there at the force. Um, If we mention some of the guys that have come in, obviously, for Laofa Inga. From the Brumbies, uh, they picked up um, Hamish Stewart, um, who obviously played at 12 uh, for the Reds the last few years, was a real defensive um, brick there in, in their back line. Uh, Chase are in the back line as well. There's no Rijan Pazitoa, I think, probably for the majority of the season at 10. Uh, Bailey Kunzel, who showed signs there and at 12 and 13. Um, I, I want to say that the force are going to improve this year. Um, I think they're probably going to be scrapping for that eighth position in the finals, um, winning their home games as they did to beat the, the Hurricanes, I think, in the final game of last year um look they they made a real habit of being a tough team to beat it's taking that next step and and uh turning those five or seven point losses into three and five point victories i think for for crony that's the real the real task with this team
1: yeah and i spoke to crony about that on the podcast and had good 40 50 minutes with him and he was speaking heavily about the mindset and that's a an area where he thinks the force can really make a, a big shift because it's not just been the last year that they've struggled to close out games. It's been it's been their story for a decade, being there, thereabouts, and whatever it is. And I, th- I think of the number of Crusaders matches where they managed just to storm over the top of them and get a try to win the game. Uh, I think you're right. They will be another side that's just tough to, to wear down. I think there's guys like Michael Wells that have come across, who's just a consistent player, played a lot of super rugby now, um, pretty resilient. The fact that they managed to, to get back Santiago and Medrano was a really big coup for them. He got burnt on the outside um, last night by one of the Fijians, the, the Fijian outside centre. But you, you, you struggle in any form of rugby without a, a big tight head prop and, you look at it, there's Robertson, there's Kai Tutu, there's Fianga, there's Medrano, there's uh, Isaac Rodder, there's a reasonable type five there, and then some uh, guys like Tim Anstey and um, Jackson Pewes yeah. that, uh, that, that we haven't necessarily spoken about. But if they strong, think-
0: strong there at number seven as well, looks a player.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and if they can just increase their level and build on what they delivered last year, then there are a chance of an extra couple of victories. I don't think they're going to be uh, up in the top six, but but seven or eight is certainly something that they've got to be targeting. And then I think they've they've got to probably get one a big one or two big names the next year. And if I I'm them, I'm, I'm targeting guys like a. Ben Donaldson, someone with a bit more pace who it'll be interesting to see how the Waratahs go with keeping their 10s their next year. And if I think about the some of their strengths, like Ben Donaldson's got pace. He's got an ability to play flat at the line. I wonder if they can score enough points, the Western Force this year.
0: Creativity is the worry for me again. Um, and I think, you know, we're not sure what they, I'm not sure who started at halfback last night. Was it Fines? Yeah, it was, yeah, was
1: Fines. And Ian Pryor was brilliant off the bench, actually. And, and Fines needs to run the ball. That's his real strength, his pace. Um, but we need to see
0: him continually probe in the same way that Tate McDermott does at the Reds. I think they need that if, um, if it is going to be Hamish Stewart there. At 10, um, Highlanders, uh, well, scraped into the finals last year, I think, with with four wins. Um, lost to the Rebels in that final game down there. Uh, they are the weakest of uh, the New Zealand teams when you look at um, the talent um, they have in their squad. Uh, so they're probably going to feel those rest weeks, I think, a little bit uh, more than perhaps the others will. Um, Aaron Smith, I think, is missing the first two games as well with a bit of a delayed return. Um, they, you know, they'll be tough to beat down there in Dunedin, but um, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they miss miss the eight this year.
1: Yeah. Another side. And we saw it last year, they were battling to make it into that top eight. There, there's still quality in there, but the, there isn't the depth. Yep. And guys like Josh Uarni, who they let go or managed to go to different super rugby franchises. They're, they're some of the, The players that you think, oh, if 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 they're there for a bit longer, then they can get a bit more attacking prowess, create creativity. They're they're one of the more enjoyable sides to watch, though. Under the roof, conditions are generally really great, and they challenge repeatedly. But we just see them in second halves probably too often against the, the bigger New Zealand powerhouses probably just finish over the top of them and they've got a bit more X factor out wide but any side with an Aaron Smith he's going to be his last year at the Highlanders um, they're, they're tough to beat and that will be very challenging for Australian sides but on the road is probably where they're going to struggle i imagine um and even over in, in australia there's there's not a to begin with anyway there's not an easy australian team and i think that's where the gap has been closed a bit in the last 12 months is the fact that Australian sides have now a bit more stability about them there's a bit more stability and knowing that a side's not going to be axed the next second you know the coaching structures have been in place for a, a little while even though simon cron's the first year coach head coach of the Force. It's been known since about last April or May that Crony was going to end up there. So they've had a long time to settle on it. Um, sides like Moana Pacifica have managed to pick up one or two players um, from New Zealand Super Rugby franchises, and that probably affects the depth of some sides more than others, and the
0: Highlanders is probably one of them. Yeah, Clark Termini takes the reins down there. And uh, interesting to note, uh, if you're still looking for a ticket for Super Round, you uh, the Southern Derby to kick off super round there at Amy Park. Uh, you'd probably want to get for that, get there for that rather on the Friday to uh, begin proceedings at, at 6 p.m. So that'll be a, a little unusual. I'm sure there's one set of fans who are slightly angry. They won't have that game in either Christchurch or Dunedin. Uh, hurricanes. Um, again, uh, I don't know whether they're at the level of the Chiefs, Blues and Crusaders, but geez, they're not going to be far behind. Um they were, I think, finished fifth last year, lost to the Brumbies in that quarter final, um, but came over here and beat the Waratahs when they just looked like they may, might get on a bit of a roll. Um, we know the class of Artie Sevier and Hill again drive that, that pack, um, but you've got, uh, you know, Karifi there. Um, uh, they scrum, uh, they've got some really, you know, quality props there with, with getting uh, Owen Franks back from, from overseas, the former Crusader and All Blacks prop. Um, They won't lack creativity in the back line. They've got plenty of threats there. Um, I think they can push for the top four, but I don't think they'll get in there.
1: Yeah, I have them right on the cusp. Managed to do what I thought it predicted kind of placings a couple of months ago. And some of the names are slipping by right now, but they're a side that fourth or fifth they're, they're targeting for sure. Obviously it's targeting first, but realistically there's, They've got a good halves pairing. TJ Perinara coming back from injury. That's a thats a bit of a blow for them. But Geordie Barrett and 12, I like. Um, they've got a really exciting back lines, a couple of the hottest wingers in, in town. Uh, so tough to beat in Wellington um, at the K in there. And Geordie and Barrett's boots just gives them a great. Uh, what I like about them as well is they're not afraid to tag three points. Because they can do it at halfway. With Jordy Barrett with his just you know, bazooka of a boot, um, they're they're good fun to watch too. They will trouble they will trouble every Australian team, and that that's where they can ensure that top four
0: remains a distinct possibility. Yeah, I think that their draw might be a little gentler than last year as well. uh As we mentioned, going to Townsville, um, which will be a bit of Tough. a change from. From Wellington, first up, you would imagine, um, watching, uh well, actually a big shout out to everyone in New Zealand who might be listening with uh, what's been happening over there. I uh, hope you're all safe and is doing as well as can be expected. Um, but, yeah, real challenge for them to go to what will be a sweaty, steamy um Quite an unpleasant Townsville, I would imagine. Uh, in, I would in think you would thrive time.
1: in that environment, Brucey.
0: I like a dry heat rather than the humidity. I must admit I had a, a little getaway to Noosa the other week and I'd forgotten just even that difference going from, say, the Gold Coast to the Sunshine Coast, um, how much the humidity can increase. Look, I do my best work uh, in 40 degrees um, picking rocks at, at Coon and the old man will confirm that. Um, but, um, yeah, once the humidity sets in it, it's, it's, I, I don't really, um, enjoy that. So a real challenge for the Canes there, uh, slightly off topic. Um, let's move to minor Pacifica. Uh, I think again, like the draw, they'll improve from last year. Won't they, um, their start last year, you know, you really felt for them because they were the team that got hit by COVID, uh, with that delayed outbreak in New Zealand, um, I think ahead of week one. So their draw got rearranged. And I think on about certainly two occasions, maybe three, they played um, three games, sorry, they played two games within kind of four or five days of each other. Now for a first year team trying to build a squad basically from scratch within three months, I think it was in the end, it was always going to be a challenge. And they, they suffered some some heavy defeats, but there were also a couple of tight losses at home. And then they beat the Brumbies to finish the year. So I, I would expect that they will get better um this year like the drill whether they can win enough games to to again challenge for that those seventh and eighth spot I'm not so sure but they will I think they at least two or three wins for them this year.
1: Yeah and and it, super rugby's got to do it better where they have planning not just in the last second and then, and that really rocked them last year and of course the COVID hiccups along the way. I think two or three wins, perhaps three or four. They, they managed to, to surprise the Brumbies at the end of last year, didn't they? So there's still some experienced players in and amongst guys looking for opportunities and fringe super rugby players, um, but they'll need to keep fit. And that's the important thing. And and when you haven't been part of high performance programs for a long, long time, there's some of the things that you sometimes struggle with is strength and conditioning and staying on the park. So good luck to them. but. If they can manage to get five wins, that would be a fantastic season. I think three or four is probably more likely.
0: Yeah, Henry's teammate Stowers was the the big standout for them last year. I'm just trying to see if he's back again. Um, but I might have to come back to that one doing a quick Google search as we speak. Um, okay, the Reds, uh, spoken a little bit about, about them already. You mentioned already a, a bit of an injury crisis at Locke on top of the carryover injuries from last year with Teniela Tupu obviously suffering that Achilles injury uh, and that quite um, unfathomable run with Achilles last year for the Wallabies. uh, Is he hoping to be back towards the back end or just completely ruled out of the Super Rugby season altogether? I think last I heard it was probably unlikely he was going to see any game time. Um, James O'Connor, some doubts around his fitness as well. Um, But they have got... Talent, And we saw young Tom Liner um, display that against the Waratahs in Narrabri, didn't we, last week. Um, interesting to see his development this year um, under Brad Thorne. Phil um, Blake comes in as defensive coach. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, I kind of feel like they're about the same level as last year, um, but if they get on a bit of a roll, um, you know, and, and injuries are kinder to them once they get a few more of these guys back, then then they may be able to push for, you know, that top four as well.
1: That'll be tough. It'll be tough. Any side that loses someone like a Taniela Tupou, if he was there, I'm thinking, yeah, there's definitely a chance for a top four, a top five. Really difficult without it. I must admit though that the replacement tight head that they've managed to pick up, the former Fijiian, Fijian. Uh, is it, is it Rapini or is he? He looks a great pickup. He was great off the bench in the the Waratahs trial. They what, – what was the feature of their game against the Towers was their offloading and their interplay between the back row and the Reds' backs. So I'm really excited about Harry Wilson, Fraser McWright, having another opportunity with Tate McDermott there at nine. Even if James O'Connor doesn't play every match this year, and I don't think he will, but he – the, the Reds are in a much stronger position because guys like Lawson Crichton have had games there at 10 last year, and, and he'll be a, a player that will be significantly better for that opportunity. And It was a tough situation for him to come there last year and uh, the last month or so wearing the 10 Jazz against New Zealand opposition when you haven't played there for a long, long time. Tough. Um, Tom Lino, I think he'll get games this year, but I don't think he'll start. I think I kind of will be there. Jock Campbell might miss the first game potentially or or first one or two, um, which will allow for Jordan Bataya to have a couple more games at fullback. Fullback watch is a big one for Australian rugby this year. That's probably the most open position for the Wallabies going into this year. Um, but they uh, the, the lock crisis that they've got at the moment with Ryan Smith, Angus Blythe, uh, Luke Jones, um, those three missing is going to be really, really tough for them. So guys like Sarah Uru, a big opportunity for him to to impress, to take that card form that he showed last year and really take it into the super rugby environment, show the physicality required. Uh, But I I hope that they go well because when Queensland's going well, Australian rugby is typically going well. um, And there's a lot of excitement there, how they like that, that back line, when you think about guys like Paisami, Josh Fluke, Henry, uh, there were the wingers, Vunabalu, Filippo Gunu, Patira of course, Jock Campbell. There's there's some star quality player, that, the guys that have played a lot of years together there. So if they can get on the park, I think that they can, can play well. Top six will be a stretch with the injuries that they have. But that first game against the Hurricanes is also oh, so important.
0: Massive. Um, you mentioned him there, Suliasi Vunivalu. We've spoken about him a heap on this podcast the last couple of years. Is this the year we see the best of him? Speaking with Tate McDermott at the launch on Wednesday, he said, look, the responsibility has got to be on us. We have got to get him the ball because he showed what he could do in that semi. Sorry, the quarterfinal against the Crusaders when the Reds had those back-to-back games. Uh, in Christchurch last year, uh, a couple of tries he scored in the corner, a brilliant finishing. Um, we then, you know, gets 30 seconds off the bench against England and just barely sighted again for the rest of the season. Um, look, I feel sorry for Zuli. We know he's had his injury troubles, um, but I just wonder whether his mind might already be on other um, contracts around the world or potentially return to rugby league. I hope it's not um, because obviously we, we've seen what he can do when he gets the ball. And as Tate says, it's got to be on those Reds guys to ensure he gets it more often than not.
1: Yeah. But also a responsibility to to stay on the park. I, I think if his mindset is rugby league, I think he can hold off a contract for quite a while. If his mindset's rugby, that contract could be sorted sooner rather than later. The Reds are certainly cognizant of the fact that he was, it's it's it could be, you know, the ballymore for a couple of more years, or it could just as likely be him leaving at the end of the year, and perhaps a lost opportunity for him not to have converted what seems like an abundance of potential in the 15-player game. Uh, I think Eddie Jones's arrival will give him confidence, another burst of life there to go. You know what? He's clearly done it in the past with guys like Sailor, uh, Takiri, Rogers. It's now on me. And if he wants it, he's got to look at himself in the mirror and go, you know what, I need it. I know I need to do what Mark Norley needed to ask. He did last year and go hunting for the ball. Uh, I need to make sure my conditioning is right, that I prepare as well as possible, that I, I don't have that extra drink or whatever it might be. He needs to get himself in the frame to go, I want to be on that. That, uh, that plane, that 33-person plane, to, to, to France later in the year because he's got it all there. He's now got to put it on the park. It's all on him.
0: Yeah, uh, massive game for the Reds first up against the Hurricanes for both teams, uh, as we mentioned. Uh, the Rebels, um, another team that's counting, I guess, the injury costs that came from the Wallabies late last year, um, no Rob Leota. Um, uh, there's a couple of others no, Matt, there. No Matt Phillip, Matt no Kelloway. Yeah, it's Hodgie fit as well. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. He, he's good to go. So, look, uh, they were they were disappointing. I thought last year they should have. They showed glimpses of, um, you know, I think uh, quite a, a well structured game plan of of how they could play when when things when they got it right. Um, good win to finish over the top of the. Highlanders at the end of the year. There are some younger guys starting to come through. Um, I guess number 10, there's no Matt Tamua around this year, is there? So you would think that Carter Gordon has has probably got to be the guy there at number number 10. They get uh, Steve Murphy, sorry, Steve, Alex Murphy down from the Reds at Hooker for a, a little bit more um, you know, quality up front. It's, but they're another team. They're going to be scrapping for for seventh and eighth, aren't they? I think more likely eighth. And and I don't I don't have them in in the top eight this year.
1: Yeah, and they're a side that have, if you look at this, to their roster, they've actually managed to keep the crux of it. And it's now converting and, and ensuring their guys stay on the park. But someone like a Trevor Hosea comes back in. He's an exciting player. Um, I don't know if he'll be there for the first round. That's a, a big one because they're playing the Western Force and that'll be a big, big game to get their seasons up and running. Carter Gordon, I'm excited by. He's had a really good preseason. I've gone down to Melbourne a couple of times and watched them. He's running the cutter. He's he's the man that now has had a couple of years in that environment that looks like he's now in charge. And I don't necessarily think that having Matt Tamua there uh, alongside him always was the best thing. I agree. Um, and I reckon that he will, he will thrive. He looks good. I've seen him. In one or two of the trials and he's got all the skills in his arsenal he's he's passed out of hand from left to right it's really impressive he kicks well kicks long he's he's physically quite durable and a bit bigger than a couple of the tens that Australian rugby's had in the past so watch this space for him it 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 seems like it's a big year in his development and momentum to kick on and challenge but he's he's the guy that hasn't actually really been spoken about and in Wallaby's consideration, and, and I'm not saying that he's anywhere near there, but of all the guys that could surprise, he's the one that I think can surprise the most this year.
0: Yeah, uh, Rob Leota to captain the Rebels once he comes back, but um, that position will be filled by... Um, who's the Well, they've got there? Josh
1: Kemeny that's going to come back, uh, that Mr.
0: all of last year at six,
1: Brad Wilkin at seven, who's going Brad Wilkin to be the interim stand captain in. at yep. the time. Yeah, and look, there's there's some good... Quality guys that have been there for a while. Um, and, you know, even the likes of a James Tuttle or a Moses Revy that's down there now. There, there is some 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 players there. They've just got to stay on the park. I think we'll see Hodge at 12 to start with as well. And the one guy that probably impressed the most for the Rebels in their most recent trial, which was not a bad game against the Brumbies, despite them struggling up front in the first five, 10 minutes at the scrum time was Joe Pinker's. Um, I think he scored two, potentially three tries, but he he looks quite good. So wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at fullback to start the season with Callaway. one or two rounds likely to, to miss.
0: Right, wrapping up, uh, the Waratahs. Look, um, they've been vocal that, you know, this is the year when they they take a step up. They're targeting a top four finish that's on the record from the CEO down through player number 40 in their squad. That is the goal. Uh, I think they can get there. Um, they've added some depth up front, as we know. Uh, Ned Hattigan comes back, um, as he did late, late last year. Uh, Tom Isau, Lambert, Tom Lambert, another one. Uh, we know about the development of some of the younger guys in the squad. Mark Nwangan Itawasi finished the year as basically the Wallabies' most dangerous attacking threat. Um, Dylan Peach uh, has been picked up a slight niggle in the trials. but a
1: quad, but he's he's probably 50 50
0: to start that first match against the Brumbies. Um, Parisi, I, I think, is in the same boat, but potentially tracking a little bit better. Um, Lalakai Faketi, another guy who, who really came on for the Wallabies last year. Look, it, it feels like this, you know, a, as we, we saw the bottom out of the Waratahs in, in 2021 with that winless season, they put the building blocks in under Darren Coleman last year. I, I compared it to a little to, you know, when Michael Checker came in and there was that concerted improvement in year one and then they hit their straps in, in year two. Now, I don't know that they can win the title in, in Coleman's second year, but they should significantly improve. And and top four, um, you know, I, I agree, should be a non-negotiable for this team.
1: Yeah, I think they probably realise that and they've gone from a demountables to a pretty swanky high-performance facility there with with the, the cold... Um, pools whatever they're called these days and and you know the saunas and it's it's the all the bells and whistles are there they're, they're a side that now has no excuses. Um, Kirtlett uh alleged incident was an unsettling thing for them he was penciled in at fullback it would have given them great balance and opportunity to ease some of their youngsters like a Max Jorgensen in but in many ways He's now got an opportunity, maybe not necessarily to start, but he'll probably be there thereabouts in that 23 to play the Brumbies. They've got a big decision to make at 10, whether or not Tane Edmund or Ben Donaldson plays there. Does Charlie Gamble play at 8 or 6? I think there's a little whisper he might play at 8 um, to, to start off with. Maybe a Will Harris switch to 6. Um, there's Lockie Swinton that's back. Probably not quite as much strength in the second row as the Brumbies do or some of the New Zealand sides. But, yeah, they look like they can score points. They've got a reasonable front row. who comes back. I think he'll be great for them. Um, another opportunity, he starts a World Cup year with it all in front of him. He, he could be another one that rockets into consideration, calculation later in the year. Um, I'm intrigued to see how they go. Their first match is so important. More than anything, I hope it's a it's a game like France and Ireland a week ago where there was 45 minutes of ball in play, but Incredible. it was just a thralling game from start to finish. If there's anything like that, people will return regardless of the result, but the Waratahs will want to make sure that they jump out of the blocks quickly and they put on a show so that people return to what is a real facelift at Allianz Stadium. Rather similar to the previous stadium, but a facelift and it looks good. It's got the blue seating. It matches what the Tars are trying to do. They spent the night there sleeping under not so much the stars, but the heavy clouds. And it got wet at at points in time. Darren Coleman telling me that Zia Parisi rocks up there with what he thought was his child's blanket and nothing else. Mm. But a few others had had uh had swags that resembled the the Taj Mahal and you, you think of guys like uh, Harry Wilson uh, and uh will Harrison that 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 um were prepared much better prepared than someone like a laika forketty who rocked up there with his um, baby child's uh little mattress and and that probably is not going to work for a for a man who's uh who's a wallaby so yeah, they've had another bonding experience, but big pressure on them to perform. And Eddie Jones will be—he'll be out be that that first game, and and he'll be watching intently. First impressions are often uh, are very, very big ones.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Max Jorgensen there. It's the Kirtley situation probably hasn't opened up an opportunity for him to to start. You would think that they might well revert to that um, Ed Med Donaldson ten fifteen as was the case potentially last year and in, in the quarterfinal um but talking to to Darren on Wednesday again I asked him is he ahead of his where you thought his development would be and he said yeah by by miles um this kid's got it um his ability to to beat players in space he's already started to put on a bit of size um, which is incredible coming out of school last year um I think he's going to see some bench time and by the end of the year when you factor in some injuries this kid could be could be uh on the wing for for a start so enthralling to watch his development this year
1: yeah and, and you see him at training you see what his teammates say about him And i think the important thing is he's he's come from a, a family that knows what it's like to play at the top level uh, he doesn't seem flustered he asks questions it doesn't seem like he's got an ego on him he doesn't walk around thinking that i'm the the bee's knees, uh, which I think there's been a few players in the past that have thought that about themselves. Good head on his shoulders. He Suspect once or twice in defence uh, and also um, once or twice losing the ball in contact against the Brumbies a couple of weeks ago. But against the Reds, that was a much improved performance. How he goes kicking will be interesting. But I was talking to Stephen Hoyles earlier in the week and he said – i would just be putting him out there. And he thought he looks much more comfortable at fullback, but he he told the story of when Chris Latham rocked up at Randwick and Chris Latham apparently was one of the worst kickers of the game in the ball, in the game. And he started out fifth grade at Randwick and all of a sudden he was playing first grade. And then not long later, he was the best kicker in just about world rugby as a fullback.
0: Massive full back. left foot torpedo, didn't he? Yeah.
1: So he, he thinks, look, this guy can be the real deal. Why not get him out there? And we saw guys like Falau when they came across, and you know, clearly he'd been playing for a few years and played state of origin matches by that point in time. But he he was on the wing, but very quickly went back to fullback. And I think Jorgensen looks like a fullback. He runs like a fullback. Uh, whether or not he starts at fullback, yeah, you're right. I, I, I think they will take... The conservative option, which would be Donaldson at fifteen, or whether or not they make the bold big call to choose either Tane Edmund or Ben Donaldson to start at ten and and leave one of the others on the bench, I don't think that'll happen. But throughout the year, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Fascinating to watch. Um, all right, mate. Um, we better have some predictions then. Uh, I I'm going a Crusaders Chiefs final with um, another Crusaders victory. Sure,
1: yeah. Okay, well, I've already said that I think the Blues can do it. In number two, my top four, I am putting the Waratahs and the Brumbies in there with the Chiefs and the Hurricanes surround out the top six. Um, but that number four spot will be, you know, it could be anything. It could be it could be the Hurricanes, the Brumbies could go down to six. But I like what they've got. They've got some depth there, the Brumbies, and um, they've got depth at 9, 10. Uh, a couple of options at fullback as well with Jesse Mogg their fit Corey Tool. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. Uh, the second iteration of Stephen Larkin as a coach there, but seems like he's just been there, part of the furniture for a long, long time. So intriguing to see how 2023 plays out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all right. We'll whip through a bit of Eddie news, mate, to, to finish off. Um, obviously spoke to to media on Wednesday, didn't give a lot away. Uh, declared, you know, the pursuit of the World Cup this year a bit of a smash and grab mission. Indicated he might call on Super Rugby coaches after the year to fill out his his coaching team. We know that that Dan McKellar and, and Laurie Fisher, uh, I guess, are considering their their futures whether they return. Um, Have you got any mail on on where his assistant team is at at this point?
1: Well, he did confirm on on Wednesday that. He hasn't locked in any of his coaching team. For some people that might go, it might be staggering, thinking how the heck has that happened? Um, it seemed like there was a team before, now there's not. Well, there was an attack coach missing beforehand. Scott Wilesman resigned at the start of the year. Whether or not he comes back, I know that some people think that he might. He just needs three, four, five months off. Recharge. Um, and, and recharge. And he's a guy that in the past with England has come in maybe a week before a tournament starts or two weeks before. And then he goes back to where he lives up on the upper northeast coast of New South Wales. And um, I, I don't, I know that Dan McKellar is on that short list. I've spoken to him. He's on the short list of Leicester. My understanding is that he was approached rather than him applying for it. And, um, which is significant and his family, he's from Queensland, his family's back settled in Brisbane. What happens with the Reds next year is still very open. Bradthorne might not be there and it might be his decision to move on himself or take an academy role or just ease back his load a little bit. Um, What Dan McKellar does, I think Eddie wants Dan McKellar, but what Eddie Dan McKellar does could well determine some of the other pieces of the puzzle were there. So if he decides, no, I'm going to do that, I think you might see a shift away from one or two of the other coaches. Um, I, I can see Dan Palmer coming in there. He wasn't hadn't been approached up until two weeks ago, uh, hadn't been approached to become the scrum coach. Petra Stupasie is still there. I can certainly see some form of rugby league involvement Um about three days before Ricky Stewart had uh, come out and told the media that Michael McGuire is kind of his and he hopes that he'll be there for the the year I spoke to Michael Maguire who hadn't been approached but was keeping his cards close to his chest and, and there was another person that I won't disclose but another person that had been asked a week and a half earlier what do you think of Michael Maguire so um, Eddie is certainly thinking about what do I do to jazz that up? Is there an outside figure that comes into the equation? We know that Neil Craig, the former AFL player turned coach turned high performance guru was involved with the England setup. Is he going to think outside the box with someone like a Justin Langer, who he's spoken about once or twice Um, in a, a mental capacity or a high performance capacity. It could be anything under Eddie and and that's the intriguing thing, but I think you will want to have that wrapped up within the next two to
0: three weeks. Yeah. First camp for the Wallabies. I think Eddie said was, was sticking with what was the previous plan under Dave Rennie with April um, being uh, the month for that. Um, there's a couple of weeks of, of buys through that period. Uh, look, wouldn't Justin Langer be something? Uh, wouldn't that be a twist of events? Um, it's quite incredible change given um, some of the talk in Australian cricket right at the minute. Um, watch this space with Eddie. Uh, we know he'll be everywhere, um, as we said earlier, but uh, the responsibility for, I guess, this this warm fuzzy feeling with the game in Australia right now falls on the players from from next Friday. Um, before we wrap up, mate, the Six Nations, uh, look, I think it's been enthralling viewing so far. Um, whether you're getting it up in the middle of the night to watch it or or watching the minis or the full replays available on on Stan. Um, Islands, geez, they look good against France, didn't they? And any thought that they were perhaps going to slip into this this World Cup, um, I guess, you know, fade that they have had in in previous years, certainly in 2019. They look phenomenal against France. Um, com- comprehensive, I think 35-19 or something, probably left two or three more tries out there. Um, just playing so well in a style under Andy Farrell that looks really hard to defend their ability to open teams up and the continuity that they play with. And then the surprise packets, well, not surprise packets, I guess, but, but Scotland, I've heard it referred to as a bit of a golden generation now under Gregor Townsend. They've got this real really strong local base with the, the teams at, at Glasgow and Edinburgh, and then have added these eligible players from around the world. Uh, Toi Paluto, we think of from down here is really Formed a wonderful partnership in the midfield with Hugh Jones, um, and then also mm-hmm. Jack Dempsey coming off the bench at the moment. But the big thing, Dan Merve
1: at wide, yeah.
0: scored scored one of the great tries at Twickenham in, in round one against England. But just a, a brilliant, uh, well, certainly Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend looking to have repaired their relationship, and, and the team is, is benefiting <laughs> from that clearly.
1: Oh, they're, they're great to watch, aren't they? It's it's fun watching Scotland play. It, Finn Russell, I think, is the most exciting ten at the moment in the game. Excitement doesn't always translate to victories at the moment. It is. Oh, he didn't even play particularly well in that Scotland-England match where he was much better a week later against Wales. His kicking out of hand was, wasn't was second rate. You can't say that, but he he had a lot that just slid off the boot and yeah. uh, didn't get the distance that he wanted. But he out of hand was amazing. Look, Ireland's impressive, and Andy Farrell seems like a really impressive coach. They've got such balance in their squad. Um, it's good that 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 Johnny Sexton's not playing every minute at the moment. That's only a benefit. We've spoken about him last year, about the fact that they need another number 10 who's supremely confident and competent. And uh, look, they look like the real deal for sure, but we do know come quarterfinals that two of or three of Scotland, Ireland, France, South Africa, and New Zealand, uh, a couple of them won't be there. So um, three out of those five won't be there beyond the quarterfinals of, of the 2023 world cup, which is extraordinary to think. And it's mouthwatering. I I don't think France have been brilliant, but they're showing enough to think that they'll still be there. And do I still have them as world cup favorites? Yeah, I, I do. Like, I think that they're they're missing Dante and um Walkie in the second row. Those two are hugely important for them. But uh, you know, Ireland, of course, are missing guys like Tuck Furlong and Robbie Henshaw. Um, so it's not like they've been without injury as well. it's 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 World Cup years are so much fun, and that's what it's all about. And and we're gonna see that in the Southern Hemisphere kick off very, very soon. So get prepared tell your friends get get excited you know eddie jones obviously put out the call a few weeks ago that we've all got to play our part in this and i think it's important even as journalists who try to remain impartial about what they're seeing unfold in the game but talk it up and 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 bring your friend or your mate or your father or your son to your mother daughter whoever it is tell them that super rugby is about to kick off because an extra two or three seats you know or, or people have had that idea suddenly grounds start to become a bit more full and the acoustics are pretty good at these modern stadiums
0: they certainly are um and yeah i agree it um it all starts seven days time um mate uh, i think that's that's pretty good for a first up uh, wrap of where things are at um a mega mega preview of each of the teams there with a bit of eddie news and six nations thrown in For good measure. Thanks for your time. Um, I think we're both pretty pumped about what lies ahead. Uh, I know you're doing your travel planning uh, for France at the moment. I'm just holding off right now with a couple of other things happening. Um, But uh, yeah, if we start and look forward to say, I think it's that last weekend in October when the world cup final will be, it's going to be a a sensational um, eight or nine months. So uh yep thanks mate for your time today and uh what's on the uh what's on the agenda when can we uh see the uh, when can we hear the chronic podcast to to round out your slate
1: good question Brad Thorne went up this morning and and he was really open about the big decisions he's had to make throughout his career uh, particularly as a coach the, the transition from playing to coaching to a conversation in 2000 and three with his brother where he said, look, you've got to really make a big fist of it now. Otherwise you're not going to be an all black and you're not going to enjoy the last year in rugby. Um, so yeah, he was very open. It was great to join him as for Crony some stage next, next week. I think that'll, that'll drop, but they've got some captaincy news to, to deliver. Um, uh, and clearly it's going to be the f- build up to the first round. So um silent crime great stories and someone who's so passionate about the game spent the last couple of years in japan hear all about that working alongside steve hansen um the first conversations that they had where they took place lots to look forward to
0: beautiful all right mate thanks for your time uh we'll probably be back uh post round one i think to uh to get a Our next one underway, as ever, uh, hit us up on on social media if you see anything across the weekend. Uh, Give us a rating, five stars, you know where it's at. Uh, Can't (laughs) wait for the rest of the year. It's a pleasure to be back and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Cheers. Cheers.